hey thanks me uh that was very nice of you to give us some announcements on what we've got going on here at Restoration Church. My name is Brian, and I'm your pastor, and we're in my basement. We um, have been in my basement since, um, well, since the middle of November. And uh, here we are. We're still going strong, and people are still watching, so that's cool. Welcome to my basement. This is only part of it, and uh, I'm glad you can, can join me here. I haven't left my basement in um since since so i'm starting to go a little you guys know that's a lie because i was with you on christmas eve i uh, hope you guys uh had a wonderful christmas um you know what's interesting about christmas is we 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 hype it up quite a bit don't we 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 make a big deal as we should but even more so like just commercially we 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 really hype it up like this is going to be the thing uh that that fixes everything like christmas is going to like there's no stopping christmas and that's a wonderful thing but i think we we get our hopes up so much that this is going to be the holiday this is going to be the year where everything just works out whether it's 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 christmas or new year's we haven't gotten to new year's yet and last year it turned out to not be so great but uh we we look forward to this season of like new beginnings and new things and 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 celebrating what the year was and and we put all of our hopes all of our dreams and into this christmas season hoping that it's going to get us out of whatever it is that we find ourselves in don't we like we 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 think that okay i'm i'm going to be able to see family i'm going to be able to see friends and I was like, oh, well, we can't do that. I'm going to be able to, to give my kids presents or, or whatever that looks like. You know, we just, we focus so much on that holiday. And then December 26th comes, which happens to be when I'm preaching this message. Or when you're listening to it on December and watching it, December 27. And kind of everything kind of goes back to the way that it was on December 24th or on December 23rd, doesn't it? We're still stuck with ourselves. We're still stuck with this feeling of, of dread, of, of, of uh, shame, of remorse, of whatever those feelings are, of anxiety. We deal with anxiety a lot, don't we? Especially in this season. It's like, man, I, I, we, we spent all that money and now we don't know what we're going to be doing. Anxiety seems to fuel us, especially in 2020. Anxiety has been the thing that's kind of fueled everything on, like from, from, from racial tensions to uh, the COVID stuff to uh, a presidential election. Like we've just had an insane amount of anxiety. I actually read a study that said that there were 300%, threefold, so that would be 300%, right? Right? Increase in anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts in 2020. That, that Those things that depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts have increased more than three times than what it was in 2019. We are a country, we are a world that is filled with anxiety. It's everywhere. I find it in myself. I'm 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 not um, one to be uh, immune to anxiety. In fact, I've often spoke about it here that I have social anxiety, and so preaching to the basement is good, but also bad. My social anxiety is that I hope people like me, and so this almost makes it worse because I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just speaking to a camera, you know. Um, yeah, but we are 
more anxious as a society than we've ever been before. We find ourselves more in debt than we've ever been before. We find ourselves more isolated than we've ever been before. And we find ourselves more depressed than we've ever been before. When it comes to debt, we have $807 billion just in credit card debt alone. I want to say the number for uh, like mortgages and stuff. I, I, I want to say, now don't quote me on this, but it was somewhere in the $14 trillion range. I, I can't even wrap my mind around that. I can't wrap my mind around $807 billion in credit card debt. And we, we, we focus on this Christmas season, right? We like, man, this is going to be the thing that saves us. This is going to be the thing that, that takes everything away. So we just add more and more and more debt. And then what we find ourselves doing is, oh, look, it's December 26th. We're more in debt and we're still the exact same anxious person that we were on Christmas Eve and on the 23rd and on the 22nd for the whole year. It didn't really solve anything, did it? It, it it didn't it didn't fix our depression it didn't fix our anxiety it didn't it didn't fix our our isolation it certainly didn't fix our isolation isn't it interesting that we find ourselves more isolated than we ever have been and we find ourselves what we say is more connected than we've ever been it's this weird paradox where we, we say we're, we're as connected as we've ever been as society. We've, we've launched this huge thing with, with social media. We can connect with anyone in the entire world, and yet we find ourselves getting more and more isolated because you're not really connecting with people when it comes to social media, are we? I mean, we, we, we say that we are, in, in the, but it's not really a connection, Sure, you can connect on LinkedIn and on Twitter and on Facebook and all that kind of stuff, but there's no real substance there. You don't really get to know somebody unless you're really in front of them. So we find ourselves more isolated, we're more depressed, and we're more in debt, and we're more anxious than we've ever been. So basically, what I'm saying is nothing's working, right? It doesn't seem like anything's working. The things that we keep trying are the things that well, they're not really bringing us any closer to, to joy that we talked about last week or, or love or peace or hope. So what I think what needs to happen is we need to shift my perspective. We need a perspective shift. This has been brought up a couple of times in the last few weeks uh, in, in my life, it seems like, is that we continually are talking about this thing about needing to shift my perspective. I need to, I need to focus my perspective on something else. I, I, I find myself more anxious. I find myself more lonely. I find myself more depressed. I find myself in more, more in debt. I need to shift my perspective because maybe the things that I'm pursuing aren't actually the things that are going to help me out along the way. Maybe the things I'm pursuing aren't going to be the things that are actually going to make me a better person. Maybe the things that I'm pursuing aren't actually going to make me be the person that I want to be on earth, that I want other people to see on earth. Maybe, maybe my perspective is, is, is off. See, for me, I need to shift my perspective on, on control. I, I find that when I get anxious, it's, it's usually a, a thing of, of control for me. When I'm out of control in a situation, 
it just happened recently. We went down uh, and visited my sister. Um, don't tell anyone. Oops, I just told you guys. But we went down. We had a, a, a family um, Christmas. We didn't get together for Thanksgiving. And uh, we decided that, you know what, we're going to do it for, for Christmas. And so we went down on my wife's birthday, which was just on, um, on Wednesday. And so make sure you wish her a happy birthday uh, if you see her. And so we are going down to... Um, to the Grand Haven area. And she drove, number one, because I needed to study for this message because Christmas and there's a lot of stuff going on and I knew that I wasn't gonna have a lot of time with, with her birthday and then Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day and then uh, and then preaching. So I knew I needed to study. So she drove so that I could study on the way down and then I was gonna drive on the way back home because it was dark and um, it was, it just, it. I'd like to drive. And I forgot my wallet. I forgot my uh, license. I forgot everything. And so, and we have a, or a headlight that's a little bit out, not like completely out, but just it, the hype, I don't know, something's out. And we haven't fixed it. And so she didn't want me to drive because she didn't want us to get pulled over and then I don't have my license. And so she decided to drive on the way home. And she's a great driver. This is nothing against her driving. This is about my lack of control. And it was raining on our way home. It was raining and, and kind of gross outside. And so I got anxious because I wasn't the one steering the ship. I wasn't the one in control. I wasn't the one uh, driving the car. And so for me being in the passenger seat, I couldn't study anymore on the way home. I, I, I could only, I had to figure something out. So instead of you know, like doing what I had maybe preached about doing, of, of maybe praying, I just went on my phone and I read news articles and I just, I tried to distract myself from the anxiety without actually dealing with the issues at hand, which is, oh, I have a, I have a control issue. My wife did a great job of driving. And that didn't matter even a little bit because I needed to be in control. I needed to be the one handling the steering. I needed to be the one handling the car to make sure that we were going to be safe. I needed to shift my perspective because it wasn't about my control. I, I needed to trust my wife and I needed to learn that my perspective was off, that I'm the best and I'm the only one who can fix this and I'm the only one who can do everything. See, I needed a shift in my perspective. And in the series we're in, we're in the mountain of a message from a mountain. It's a series of, that Jesus gave. Uh, series. It's the message that Jesus gave on, the, uh, on a mountain. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's found in Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. We're going to be in Matthew 6 today, uh, starting in verse 19. And, and the entire first part of, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, so the first half of Jesus' sermon was focused on, um, on, on spiritual things to do. Like, here's, here's a way to live your life. These are the things. Here's how you pray. Here's how you have hope. Here's how you have love. This is how you love. This is the way that we should act as followers of Christ. So they're very focused on the spiritual things. And what we're going to find on the second part is warnings about things that can pull us away from Christ. So we're officially kind of in the second half of this series. And we've only got, I think, like four or five weeks left 
in this series, which is pretty crazy that we've been in it for so long. So if you've missed any of it, you can go back online on YouTube uh, where you're watching right now or on Facebook and you can catch them all there. Um, but Jesus here kind of shifts the perspective to uh, the spiritual and, and how we are to live our lives. And now he's focused on things that are going to take away us, take us away from, from Christ. And so we're going to be in Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. And here's what he's going to be talking about, about shifting our perspective. The whole passage here, we're going to get to the end of the Matthew 6. And it's all about shifting our perspective. So here we go. This is Jesus speaking. And again, he's speaking to the disciples. And remember, not just the 12, but to a whole group of them. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust Rost, <laughs> rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your, full, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Sorry, I didn't show you guys that verse. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." So Jesus is talking about anxiety and why we have anxiety, and he also gives us the, the, the cure for anxiety. We need this shift in perspective. We're, we're so busy toiling and, and working after all of these things, hoping that they're going to fill us up. But the, the key is, uh, I think it's in verse 21, says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. 
So with anxiety, we have this issue where we continually are, are, are striving for the things of this earth. We're trying to find the treasure on earth. And we've talked about it before. We talked about it um, just a, a few weeks ago. We talked about how to uh, be, be more focused on, on giving and, and how we can be connected with Christ. And that spurs us to be generous people. If our focus is only on our treasures on earth, we're going to have some issues. See, you can only serve one thing at a time. And so if I store up treasures in heaven, it's going to make me a treasured person on earth. This seems like something my grandma would say, right? Like, like treasures, it seems like a statement, like some, somebody old would say this. And so, I don't know, maybe I have an old soul. Treasures in heaven make you a treasured person on earth. Treasures in heaven make you a treasured person on earth. I think that's the, 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 the gist of what Jesus is, is getting at here, is saying, don't focus so much on your treasures on earth, but focus on the treasures in heaven. Have you ever met somebody, I'm sure you have, because it's pretty much everyone, that uh, just think about this person, maybe it's you, I know for me, it's also me, that we focus more on the treasures on earth. We focus more on getting the things that we think. At Christmas time, we think, okay, if I get this, if we make sure that this happens, if we make sure that I get uh, all of these things for all of these people, and I give away all of this stuff, then, then I'm going to be a very happy person. I'm going to be a treasured person on earth. And we focus so much on, on making sure that we do all of these things here on earth that we lose our, our, our focus we lose our perspective on what really matters. We get pretty distracted. And in verse 22, I want to take you guys to this verse. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Now, when Jesus says that if your eye is healthy, he uses this word called uh, <laughs> haploos. I almost forgot how to say it. Haploos. This word haploos. Try saying it real quick. Haploos. Great. It's a Greek word. And Jesus uses it here. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is haploos, your whole body will be full of light. And here it's translated healthy, but it can also be interpreted as single-mindedness or not complicated or confused, haploos. It means I'm only focused on, on one thing. If your eye is singularly focused, your whole body will be full of light. If you lay up your, for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal, your singular focus, you shift your perspective so that you're singly focused, is that word, is that right? Singularly focused on Jesus Christ and on the treasures of heaven, then you're going to be a treasured person on earth. You're, you're going to be living a healthy life. Your whole body will be full of light. See, what happens is, have you ever had that dusty lamp or, or maybe a window? Uh, the, the, it's said that the, the eye is the window into the soul. I, I've heard it said before of, um, guys, I, I'm going to tell you a secret. 
if if we're sitting down and we're having lunch or something and somebody walks past me a female i don't here's okay <laughs> somebody walks past and uh guys if if you just oh look there's a person you know that's cool if you if you linger there though that tells me something about you I'm, 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 I don't want to share all of my secrets with you, but that tells me something about you, right? If you can't quite get your focus off of that person as they walk by, that's going to tell me something about you. The eye is a lamp of the body. It's the window to your soul. And sometimes windows get really dirty. Have you ever seen a complete, like maybe a movie where they go into the cabin for the very first time and uh, that it's been like, you know, 15 years. It's probably on the Hallmark Channel where, you know, the, the person has to go back and, and, and find the, the cottage that their grandfather left for them. But they're a big city shot, big shot person in the city and they have to make sure that they keep up with all of their business dealings. And so they go to this cabin to, you know, button things up to make sure that they can sell the property. And then they meet the, the lovely local and then they fall in love in 90 minutes and everything's great, right? You know, the, the cabins that I'm talking about and they're really dirty. And so then they got to try to clean everything up and it's really dark in there. And then they wipe the window down and all of a sudden this brilliant light shines in because th that's what happens when, when you clean windows is the sun immediately shines in no matter which direction it is. And, um, and, it, and it lights up the entire room. Well, when our focus is on things of earth where moth and rust can destroy, where things are going to just dissipate and break down, if we're investing in things that are going to break down and, and they're not going to last for very long, I mean, they, they, they might last for a while, but eventually it's going to break down. Your car's going to break down. Your house is going to be needing to be fixed up. Your, your body is breaking down. <laughs> like food is not going to last forever, no matter how many preservatives we put into it. But if we focus on only those things, that window to the soul is dark. The window to the soul is dark. The eye is unhealthy. But if we keep our eyes up, remember that message? Maybe you weren't here for it. Go back and look for it. If we keep our eyes up, your whole body will be full of light. We need to shift our perspective. You can only serve one master, and a lot of us are trying to serve multiple masters. I tried to do the single-minded thing on Christmas. Uh, you probably didn't notice, so it's okay. I, I took a break for just a day on social media. I decided that I was just going to, you know what, I'm going to stay away from this just for one day. So Christmas Day, I, I, I didn't put my phone down, but I never once logged into social media. And you know what? It felt pretty great. 
it really did. I, I, I wasn't obsessed with how many people were liking whatever statement I had to say next. I wasn't obsessively looking to make sure that we were getting enough likes on, on our Restoration Church Facebook page. I wasn't making sure to check in to see how many subscribers we had on YouTube and, and if we had any more views on, on YouTube, on our, on our videos, or, or any of that, which is shameful for me to say that those are the things that I get anxious about. And so I took a day to just do nothing in regards to that. And it felt wonderful. I was singularly focused on my family and on the day and just living in that moment. And then this, this morning, it was this morning, so for me, to you it would have been yesterday, I, I wake up and I you know get up and the first thing I do is, is go to my phone and I, it was like a little light bulb. I was like, oh yeah, I can go back on social media now. And, and so I went on and I was there for maybe two minutes and I was like, ugh. I was filled with dread. I was filled with anxiety. I was comparing myself to people that I was seeing on my newsfeed already. My focus was no longer singular. My focus was no longer on Christ and on the treasures of heaven. It was more focused on how I compare to this person or that person. And then anxiety started to well up inside me. And so I turned it back off. And I'll have to be on again a little, a little bit to make sure that I can post this video and stuff. But for me, a shift for my perspective is that I need to give up a lot more social media. And I've been struggling with this for a while of saying, like, how do I do this? How do I, how do I write this stuff and, 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 and make this be a, a thing for Restoration Church to have a presence on social media? Because I think, I, I don't know, maybe it's not important. But I know for me, to shift my perspective, I've been serving two masters. I've been serving both making myself look good and trying to make Jesus look good. And honestly, for me, where my treasure is, 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 is that. And hoping that I say the right things and be the right things and that's where my heart sometimes lays. But if I'm singularly focused, if I am hapless, I'm going to be a treasured person on earth. And I think about Jesus was, was walking and somebody came up to him and said, Lord, what must I do? Or a good teacher, he doesn't say Lord, he says good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him that he needs to keep his commandments, keep the commandments. And the, the guy's giddy. This guy's giddy. He's called the rich young ruler. He's like, oh man, I've done those things. These are things that I've done. I've, I've kept the law. I've done these things. But he still notices something is missing. He still notices that he's not fulfilled. That uh, Why else would you ask the question? Hey, uh, what, what must I do to get to heaven? What do I got to do to, to be a better person? Like, there's something, basically what this young ruler is saying is, there's something missing in my life. There's something missing in my heart. What, do I, what am I looking for, Jesus? What are the things that I need? Jesus says, fulfill the commandments. He's like, okay, yeah, I've, I've done that. Great. And then Jesus says, go and sell all your possessions and give them to the poor and then follow me. And it says that the rich young ruler, you can look this up if you want to, it's in, it's in uh, Matthew 19. 
It's 16 through 30. He goes and walks away sad because he was a man of great wealth. See, he had stored up for himself treasures on earth. And Jesus was like, if you really want to be my disciple, if you really want to follow after me, then guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to give up some stuff. You're going to have to be more hapless towards me. See, right now you're trying to serve me and do all the things and look the right part. And it's not working out very well for you, is it? Because you're asking me right now, how do I get to heaven? The problem is you're still serving all of these things on earth. You're, you're, you're serving your riches. You're serving that almighty dollar. You're trying to make yourself uh, successful. Which none of these things are bad things in and of themselves. But if we put those things on the throne, then we start worshiping them. And our focus goes crazy. And, we, and our perspective is, is so focused in and. In, 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 all of these things seem so much larger than what they actually are. We need to shift our perspective and be more singularly focused. And for this rich young ruler, what Jesus was saying is, you need to give this stuff up in order to follow me. What are the things that you, I'm talking to you right now, what are the things that you're controlling that you need to let go of what do you need to shift your perspective on? See, it's not wrong to have earthly treasures, but don't get your life from them. I was watching a movie, our kids watched Soul last night. And he thought if, if he, I don't want to spoil this movie for you, but it, he thought if he could only finally break through in the jazz circuit, if he could finally get a gig with jazz stuff, then his life would have meaning. Then his life would have purpose. Then all of this stuff would, would happen for him. And, and he goes to find out that, man, that's not really what it's all about either. What are the, if, if for you, what, if, what is it? Like, what is that thing for you that you need to shift your perspective on? Is it like, man, if only I had blank. Most people think that if they have double the income that they have right now, that that is when they would truly find happiness. See, their perspective is that if, if they make $25,000, that if they only made $50,000, then they would really be happy then they would really find true fulfillment. And then uh, people who have $50,000, they say, man, if only I had another 50, then that, that's, when I would, that's when I would find true contentment, true joy, true peace. And people's perspective is that money is going to buy their problems, buy their, the solving of their problems. What is that perspective for you? What is the thing that you look forward to? It's like, okay, when this happens, then everything is going to make sense for me. Where's your treasure at? Because there your heart is also. Treasures in heaven make you a treasured person on earth. Treasures in heaven make you a peaceful person on earth. 
Jesus is saying in the whole second half of this passage, like, don't get so focused on the things of earth, uh, of this earth. What is ha- what has anxiety actually done for you? Ask that question. I ask that to my kids sometimes. What is this worrying actually getting you? What it, what is it what is it helping? Is it helping anything? Typically, the answer is no. See, the cure for anxiety is to shift our perspective. Jesus is saying is, hey guys, go, like, let's take a walk. Take a walk in the field. Let's look at the lilacs and see how beautifully dressed they are. Better than any bride on her wedding day. Let's take a look at the birds and see how well clothed they are. Don't you think your Father in Heaven cares more for you? See, we need to shift our perspective. We need to find out what the therefore is there for. You know what I mean? No, you don't? Okay, let me give you some context. In uh, verse 25, it says, therefore. I think it's verse 25, yeah. Therefore, I tell you. So anytime there's a therefore in Scripture, you need to find out what the therefore is there for. Does that make sense? That's an old joke thing statement, okay? Um In verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Then he goes on to say, Therefore, so based on all of this information, therefore, since you can't serve two masters, you cannot serve two, you have to either serve God or the other thing that you're looking for. Therefore, I tell you, don't Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So treasures in heaven make you a peaceful person on earth. That means that I need to shift my perspective, and that means that I need to be single-minded. Haplus. Haplus. The cure for anxiety is for me to be single-minded. The, the cure for anxiety, he goes through this whole list. In 24 through 34, the last 10 verses, he's talking about the things that we need to do in order to combat this anxiety that we find in ourselves. Be single-minded. Stay focused on Jesus. Have your focus only on him. Shift your perspective to him. Second thing is to know that God knows our needs. Verses 31 and 32, he says, Therefore, and to sum it up, he said, God cares for you. In verse 31 and 32, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying what we shall eat. Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows Your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. See, this is for me. I I don't need to have the control to try to do all of this stuff. God knows our needs. Think about it. Change your perspective. Shift in perspective. Look at how beautifully dressed the birds of the air are and the lilies of the field, and how much they are provided for by their Creator. And you and I, I was like choked on myself, you and I are are so loved 
by that same creator, so much more loved by that same creator, yet we keep trying to figure all this stuff out on our own, and we try to put our focus on so many other things, and our perspective is that this issue is so much bigger than what I actually think it is, and and, and we get focused on those things, and we lose our hapless on Jesus Christ. God knows our needs. Finally, to, to cure that anxiety that we have, we, we are single-minded. We know that God knows our needs. The last thing is, your future is secure. Verse 34, he says, again, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Your future is secure. If you believe in what Jesus Christ has done, that he paid the penalty for sin, that your salvation is secure in him, that he came on this earth, we just celebrated it, we just celebrated Christmas, that he came to the earth to die for our sins so that we might have a right relationship with him and so that we can enter into his kingdom when we pass on from this life. Don't worry about tomorrow. Your future is secure. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't toil, we don't work, we don't do the things that we need to do in order to uh, continue living and, and continue making a, a life for ourselves. Even the birds work. They work a lot. Birds make nests and they lay eggs and they do a bunch of stuff that I don't know much about birds, but they do stuff, right? It doesn't mean we just sit on our butts and, and, and be lazy and just watch the world go by and be like, well, you know what? My hope is secure. My salvation is secure. I don't need to be anxious about any of these things. God gives us a little bit of anxiety sometimes, I think, to spur us on. Like, I, if, if I didn't have anxiety, then I would never prepare for a message. If I didn't have uh, anxiety, I, I would just be like, you know what, I'm just going to wing it this time, and I'm going to uh, just pretend that I know things. If, if I didn't have the good stress in my life, the good anxiety to spur me on to do the work that, man, I really need to see people come to Christ, if I didn't have that, then I would just be a bum on the street and I wouldn't do anything. But what Jesus is talking about, the anxiety that he's talking about here is how we are going to take care of ourselves and how, like, whatever that anxiety looks like for you, that's much larger than what should normally be. We need to shift our perspective. For me, I need to give up control. My anxiety stems from control. So what does that look like for you? What, in your perspective, needs to shift? What window cleaning needs to happen in your life? You have a lot of anxiety today. I just want to say, I, I know that for some people this is a debilitating thing. And you can't overcome it without being on a medication of some kind or um, any, any of that kind of stuff. And I, I just want to say for that person, God gave us medicine. God gave us each other 
counselors, people who are really smart, psychiatrists, that can help with those sorts of things. I don't ever want to get confused as a church that just says, pray more and believe harder, and all of your worries are going to be undone. Sometimes our prayer leads us to seeking help from someone else. I don't know why I need to say that, but I just felt like I needed to say that to someone today. But for most of us, the anxiety that we're holding on to is simply because we need a shift in perspective. So what is that for you? What's gotten too large in your life that it's overshadowing Christ? Your soul is a little bit darker. I did find it interesting that when I was really suffering with anxiety on Wednesday on our drive home, I didn't go to scripture, I didn't go to prayer, I, I went to social media and I went to reading news articles on my phone. That's not great, really. What does that perspective shift need to happen for you? And if I can be honest, this it, it hasn't been easy to um, not gather together, right? For a lot of us, maybe that anxiety, that that shift in perspective needs to happen with the way that our country is right now. Maybe it's a COVID issue. It's like when we finally are all vaccinated, then we'll have hope. Then we'll be good to go. Maybe perhaps some of you are filled with anxiety for the future of this country and you think that everything is going to hell in a handbasket. Where's your focus? Wow, there's so many things happening right now. Where is your focus? Isn't that interesting that I just talked about where's your focus, where's your perspective, how does it need to shift, and I just got like 13 notifications all at the same time. There's another one. Maybe, maybe it's, it, you think this country is just headed in the wrong direction and that's taking up all of your time, all of your energy, all of your resources. You can't go to bed without thinking about it. You can't wake up without thinking about it. It's on your mind constantly. I encourage you to look for a shift in perspective. Why don't we do this? Why don't we put down our devices? Why don't we put down the news? Why don't we put down social media? And instead, pick up His Word. Pick up the Bible. And this week, what I want you guys to do, to shift our perspective, it means we need to spend more time getting to know who Jesus is and getting to know Him. And so, I encourage you guys, this week, I'm going to give you a book of the Bible to go through. And I think there's only four chapters, maybe five. It's the book of James. And 
I, I would like us to read through the book of James, and I'll encourage us to do so every single day this week if we can. Um, but every time you go to find out something, that whatever that perspective is for you, whatever that is, that shift that needs to happen for you, whether it's maybe uh, focused on, on um, making your family the most perfect family and so you, everything you do is to take care of that family. Maybe for you it's, it's work is the perspective that needs to shift and your job is the most important thing for you. Maybe for you it's, it's COVID relief. Maybe for you it's, it's government affairs. Maybe for you it's relational with a, a husband or, or a wife or, or children or maybe a significant other. Whatever that perspective shift is for you. Maybe you're in school and this is a, a, a very difficult time for you because you're doing it all online. Maybe, may, maybe your perspective needs to shift in so many different ways. And so what I ask you to do is every time that that starts to pop up, every time that that whatever struggle for you starts to pop up is open up your Bible, whether it's on the Bible app or the physical Bible and read through part of James. And, and read until you're feeling more connected. And then when that's over, and then you have it again, read more of James. For some of us, we might read through James three or four times to th this week. And that's totally okay. I know, I know that this entire season has been really difficult. It's really hard. I wish we were in the brewery right now and I could just preach to you guys face to face and we could spend time together. I find myself getting disappointed and let down. But I can't let that be my only perspective. Oh, Lordy. Star Wars. <laughs> All right. Find out whatever that perspective is for you. And I'm going to quit this message because there's so many distractions. I guess that's my main point, right? I mean, our, shift our perspective. We're so connected, yet we're so disconnected. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Um, God, thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you that you continue to, to move us. God, I pray that you would shift my perspective. God, I can be so distracted by so many different things. And I'm sorry. Would you help us to shift our perspective to you? That's in your name we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you later.